0: We are in a very, very significant time of transition here at KCF. And, and God has, has I mean, and when I say this, I mean this, that God has led us. God has led us to start this really important series based on Francis Chan's book, you know, Letters to the Church. And when I say God led, I mean that because It's not something we go like, oh, what's a good idea? What could we do? Maybe let's, yeah, let's do a book study. No, it was just so clear to us that, um, and even as I read the book, it was just amazing to me to to see how God confirmed so much of what he has been trying to say to me for the last seven years, Um, and how it was clear that there are some foundational and some foundational values and really like a blueprint for what he is calling us to do into this transition into this next stage and next step in our church called KCF 2.0. You know, you're going to hear KCF 2.0. That's what that is. It's going from where we are to something new, something different. Not something where we throw away what we had, but it is building upon that. And we've just been calling it KCF 2.0 and and so much of where we're headed and where I sense God is calling us to go. Um, there's some foundational stuff, some blueprints right there. And so it is so vital. And I thought, man, we should get all our leaders to read this. And I thought, no, you know what? I think God is saying we as a church need to, to hear what God, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And then we're going to see like, whoa, you know, and allow him to speak to us. And allow Him to change us. Allow Him to challenge us and change us, um, really, to to be the church that He has called and designed us to be. You know, to be the church. And it's so exciting, you know. And so the game plan for this series is, you know, on Sunday mornings, we're going to go through this book. We're going to go through this book a chapter or so at a time. And what we've done in the last week and this week, It's like an intro, because I want you guys to understand how important this is. And so, last week we talked about how important, you know, obedience is so important. We're going to talk about something else that's so, so, so important today. And on Sunday morning, we're going to go through this book a chapter at a time. And I guarantee you that it is going to be instructional, eye-opening, and it's going to be challenging. It's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge us. And then we'll have these life groups, these small groups that will be going through this book. They'll be reading and they'll be going through this book during the week. And in the life group, you know, what we'll do is we'll learn together, we'll grapple with the material together, uh, we'll support and encourage each other to just trust God in a greater and deeper way. There might be questions that come up like, really, you think that's what God is saying? Is that God, like, are we supposed to be like that? And we're going to encourage each other, and, and it's going to be great. And I want to say that life groups are going to be absolutely essential in KCF 2.0 and beyond. That, that we cannot be a church that has small groups. That I believe God is calling us to be a church of small groups, of life groups, That's going to be where the life of our church is. What's Sunday morning going to be? Sunday morning is going to be like a huddle, right? Where we gather together. Think of a football game. We huddle together in between plays. The huddle isn't where the action happens. The huddle is where we come, we get on the same page, we we sing, we know the play, and then we go out and then we execute. That's what Sunday morning is going to be like. And so, last week, like I was saying, like last week, I, I, I just wanted to share with you how, how important it is that we understand that church, the church, is the hope of the world. If you get to go to Challenge Day, you begin to see in a real practical way what, what we're talking about when we say that the church is the hope of the world. And... And that God is calling us to be a church that will make an impact in the world around us. See, that's why we're church. Because God says, you're the hope of the world. And last week I shared that the key to the whole thing is going to be obedience. That everything, KCF 2.0, where we go, where we're headed, what God wants to do, the key to it all is going to be obedience that we have to be people. We have to be a church that will obey God no matter what. You know, no ifs, ands, or buts. God, 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 I'll obey you if. Or like, whoa, that's a little too much for me. We got to obey God no matter what. And this week, what I wanted to share with you is really what must be the focus of our hearts What's going to be the motivation and the focus of our hearts if we are to become everything that God has called us to be? That our focus is absolutely critical. And, you know, reading this book, there was a real challenging word. There's a whole bunch of challenging words here, but um, Francis Chan issued a real major challenge. In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John um, was given a peek into the future, that he was given a vision, and he was commanded to write everything that he saw. All right. So it was like God transported him into the future and said, this is what it's going to be like at the end of the age and the beginning of something brand new, a new heaven and a new earth. This is what it's going to be like. And John, I want you to write it all down. And what you write down, that's what we have in the book of Revelation. That's what Revelation is all about. And in Revelation chapter 5, he sees an incredible scene. Revelation 5, 11 and 12, he writes, Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living God beings, and the elders. Thousands and millions. And they sang in a mighty chorus. Can you imagine? Thousands and millions singing Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. What a scene that must be. You know, where angels and people and it's All of creation, just thousands and millions, just worshiping together. And then in verse 13, And then I heard every creature, now every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they all join in. And they sang blessings and honor and glory and power and belongs to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell and worshipped the Lamb. And the Lamb is Jesus. Can you imagine that? You know, the hippopotamuses are like, Bless these. I mean, everybody, all creatures. And Chan writes this. Francis Chan writes this. Can you imagine being in a setting, in that setting, and feeling bored? Feeling like you needed something more. Wishing people were being more attentive to your needs. And he says, there is no way. This is what we were made for. We're not doing people any favors by pretending they are the center of the universe. And then he says, if the sacred, if God in all his power and glory and majesty if, if that's not enough, it is clear that the Spirit has not done a work in their lives. Whoa. And then he said something was like, <sighs> to me, as a leader in the church. He says, by catering our worship to the worshipers and not the object of our worship, I fear we have created human-centered churches. He's asking us, have we become a human-centered church where we focus on people and not focus on the person, the creator, who we should all be worshiping, God Almighty? Have we done that? And I, and I thought to myself, and I thought, you know, that's so easy. That, that, that I want you all to be happy. I want you all to be thrilled. And I think, what can I do to thrill people? You know, we've got to meet needs. That we've got to make sure that everybody here is, is enjoying their lives. And if that becomes our focus, what he's saying is, we're creating something that the church wasn't designed to be. And that when we get to heaven, and we're, we're there, and we're going to say, this is what John was talking about. We're going to be there. And we're going to hear blessings and honor and, and, and all of creation. And I don't want us to be like, oh, what, what about me? You know, I feel out of place here. But what Francis Chan is saying, that, that, that there has to be a focus. That we need to understand as a church that we have to have a focus that is beyond us. And God is calling us. God is calling this church to himself in a greater and deeper way. And worship, worship is at the heart of the church that God wants us to be. That God wants us to be more than anything. He wants us to be a church that worships God Almighty. That is the heart. That is the heart of KCF. And and God speaks to us through Francis Chan's book, Letters to the Church, that we need to receive that truth. And we need to make whatever changes in our lives and in our church that's necessary to respond to God with wholehearted and wholesale obedience so God can build his church, that God can build his church And it'll be a church that will transform lives. It's going to be a church that's going to transform lives. It's going to start with ours, and then it's going to impact the world. And the key to where God is calling us to is obedience. It's obedience. And and that's the key. And the focus of our hearts moving into this season and this KCF 2.0 in which we are, it's got to be worship. It's got to be worship. And so the question is, what is worship? What is worship? The truth is, every person on planet Earth worships something or someone. We were created. We were designed to worship. Worship is part of who we are. There is nothing more natural for us as a human being than to worship. Everybody is a worshiper. Today, right now, across the United States, across the world, people are worshiping. They're worshiping. They might be here at church, but they might be somewhere else, but they're worshiping. They're worshiping teams. They're worshiping groups of people, groups of grown men running around in tight pants. And they're just worshiping. Right? You see that? You know, last night at the stadium, we had 25,000 people gathered there and worshiping. All of us are worshipers, and we're all going to worship something. And so, at the heart of it, what is worship? Well, often, worship is described as exalting and praising, right? When it comes to church, it's exalting and worshiping God. And, and, and you know, we say things like, you know, I worship God when I praise him. And, and, and that, is, that, is, that is true. But worship is, is much deeper than that. Some of us would say, well, we spend some time together singing, and, and so worship is singing and it's music. And yes, singing and music is an important form an expression of worship, but worship is far more than that. Singing is how we express worship. That's one of the ways, but worship is more. Pastor Robert Morris, he had a really great definition, simple definition, but it's just perfect to me. He said, "Worship is simply love expressed. Worship, in its purest form, definition of worship is simply love expressed. Worship." Is the love you have for something or someone that is expressed in some fashion? You can have love. You can have. You can love your wife. You can love your husband. You can love your friends. But if you don't express it, it's not worship. You can have expression. We can come here and sing all day long, but if we, if we don't have love. That's not worship. Worship for followers of Jesus is knowing who God is, knowing who he really is in all his glory and his holiness and his power and his grace and mercy and receiving that truth and seeing ourselves imperfect, sin-tainted as we are and letting it sink into our hearts and then letting it come out in expressions of love. That's worship. You can have expressions, but without love, it's not worship. Worship is love expressed. Jesus had an encounter with a Samaritan woman, and it was really interesting, this conversation he has with her, and we learn and we discover a little more about what worship is. In John 4, Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman. Now, a Samaritan, Samaritans were, were, not, were people who the Jewish people would not really engage in at all. They looked down on the Samaritans. What had happened was when there was, um, when there was this, uh, when they had the captivity, when all of, all of Israel were held captive by the Assyrians, you know, during that time, and then after some of the people stuck around, and they began to intermarry with the Assyrians there, and so they were half Jew and, and half... Um, Um, half gentile Um, they were like the first Hoppe people you know and and they were there and they stuck around and they were called samaritans and the jews looked ah we don't want to deal with them and so for jesus speaking with a woman that was shocking a samaritan woman that was really shocking and and the samaritans had you know they, they they worshiped you know they were zealous in their worship but they would worship at a different place because the Jews would would worship in Jerusalem, couldn't go there, so they went to this place Mount Gerizim, and that's where they worship, and that was their holy place, and they zealously worship God on Mount Gerizim, and then so, John in John four, twenty one, Jesus is talking to this woman and he says, "Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter." Whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And it says the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. And Jesus was teaching her about what worship is all about. And, he's, and he was saying, worship's not limited to a place. Okay? Worship's not limited to a place. You don't just go there and worship. He said, no, that's not what it's all about. He said, worship was about more than a certain place. Worship was about a love for a person. Worship is a love for a person. And, and what he was saying was, you know, you Samaritans, you have a lot of spirit. You have a lot of zeal. But, but you lack truth. You don't know the truth. On the other side, the Jews, you have a lot of truth. but You don't have much spirit. You don't have much zeal. And what Jesus is saying, that the worship that, and the worshiper that God is looking for is the one who is both spirit, that who zealously in his spirit just worships God. And also worships them in truth, in spirit, and in truth. That's the worshiper that God is looking for. And so worship is having the truth about God and responding with our spirit, with zeal and and expressing our love for him. That's what worship is all about. Worship at its essence is love expressed. And then at the heart of worship then is love. At the heart of worship is love. Worship is more than just exalting and praising God. In Mark 12, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing and listening to the debate and says, hey, you know what, Jesus? Of all the commandments, which is the most important, right? The greatest commandment. So Jesus says what? The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is the one and only God. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the most important. Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love. It was not to exalt. It was not to praise. It was deeper than that. It was to love God. It was to love God first and foremost with everything we have. That's our highest call, is to love, is to love God. There is no activity we can engage in that is of greater importance and a higher priority than to love God. And we are to exalt and praise God. We are to thank God. We are to trust and obey God. Why? All because of love. That at the heart of worship, there's love. Now here's something to consider. Okay, At the heart of worship is love. That means we all have in us the potential to love and to worship really, to worship anything and anyone we love. That's the danger, right? That if we're all, we're all designed to be worshipers, and love is at the center of worship, what that means, that we've got to be very careful because there's a potential for us to worship anything and anyone that we love. Like today. Millions of people love their teams. The greatest team of all is playing at 10 o'clock. Don't see the Cowboys. Don't see the Cowboys. Okay? But the challenge is, the challenge is, anything we and it could be your family. It could be your spouse. It could be your job. You know? It could be money. It could be whatever it is. Anything we love. We have the potential for worshiping that. And God is saying, that's dangerous. Because when we worship anything above God, he calls that idolatry. That means you're putting something above God. And that's the sin of idolatry. And when you look through the Bible, the one sin that took nations down took Israel down time and time again. People down is a sin of idolatry where they lifted and they worship other things above God. When you think about how important that is, in the, in the Ten Commandments, right, the first two, you shall not have any other gods above you. Second one was what? You don't make any kind of images Bought on to worship to that. God was saying at the very heart, he's saying I've created you to be worshipers. You have love for things and people, whatever. You gotta be real careful that your love for me, your worship of me, is above all else. Because if not, if not, things are not in alignment, And you're gonna mess up. At the heart of worship, is love and then we see that love finds meaning when it's expressed yeah if the heart of worship is love love finds meaning when it's expressed love has to be expressed if it's going to mean something if you really love someone or something you want to express your love you want to you want to you want to find, you, you want to please, you know, your friend, your spouse, your children, your parents, you know, that they'll never know how much you love them if you don't express them and express it. And Gary Chapman wrote a really interesting book, helpful book called The Five Love Languages. I don't know if most of you, some of you have read The Five Love Languages. And, and, and what he's saying is that there's five primary ways, languages in which we receive and we express love. And he's saying, of these five, that we all have one primary one. And he says the five love languages are words of affirmation. Yeah. Hearing words are a great job. You know, all that stuff, words of affirmation, quality time, gift giving, acts of service, physical closeness, and touch, right? So those are five. And all of us, when I read that, you say, you know what? More than anything, quality time. I love spending time, quality time, or whatever it is. Chapman writes, the one who chooses to love will find appropriate ways to express that decision every day. The one who chooses to love will find appropriate ways to express that decision every day. Love must be expressed. That's what worship is all about. If we love God, we will find appropriate ways to express that decision every day. That's what worship is. God expresses His love for us. See, the crazy thing is, God calls us to worship Him. He's saying, I Have no other gods above me, don't worship any other gods except for me. And He says, Love is at the center love needs to be expressed and i will demonstrate i will initiate love and god loves us first in first john 4 9 and 10 god showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we may have eternal life through him this is what real love not that we have loved god but he has loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins i don't know a parent who would sacrifice their children for someone else on their best day, right? Can you think of someone, you're a parent, can you think of a time that you're going to sacrifice your kids for someone on their very best day? And yet, God sacrificed his son on our very worst day. That while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. And God says, I'm going to show you what love is all about. I'm going to demonstrate. I'm going to initiate what love is about. And I'm going to give you my son. I'm going to give you my son. Love must be expressed. That is what worship is. You love, and then you express that love. Very, very important question. This is the question. And we've got to answer. And it's going to make all the difference in the world on how much we're going to allow God to speak to us, change us, transform us, how we are going to follow through and obey God. is all comes down to this question. Who or what will you worship? Who or what will you worship? That's an important question because we're all worshipers at heart. We're all created to worship. We're all going to worship something or someone. Make no mistake, we are all worshipers. We all worship something or someone. God is looking for people who will love him above all else that God is looking for a church that will worship him and worship him alone. Here we are, all together, in the presence of God, worshiping and serving God Almighty. Can you imagine if we had that kind of passion? That, that when, I, when I see the effect that a, that a mere person like Michael Jackson I'm thinking, why don't we have that kind of passion? Why don't I have that kind of passion for God Almighty? Why? Why is it there are times when I I'm, I'm thinking, I'm so happy to be here in church, but man, the game's starting. That that why why is it that when I'm at home and I'm watching a game? And, and we're down by four, and when we score a touchdown, that I'm just hands in the air, yelling, screaming, yay, dancing around. And when I'm here, I'm just, God is looking. People, we're going to worship him. We're going to be on an adventure. We're going to be on an adventure together. Here on Sunday mornings as we huddle together, and hopefully all of you We'll be a part of a life group during the week. And we're going to grow. And we're going to look at what it means to really love God, to follow Him, and to see God in all His goodness and His majesty and His greatness and His power. And God's going to draw us. He just love me. you just trust me. That's the adventure of we are. Because if we can have that kind of passion, and we can have that kind of passion for God, we are going to be the hope of this world. We're going to have, we're going to see that we can make an impact in the world around And it's not going to come from how much, how much energy we can muster up, and how much love we can muster up, but out of our love and our worship for God and our obedience for God, God's going to empower us to do things that is beyond what we could even think or imagine. That's what church is supposed to be. So, so I'm asking, will you join us? Will you join us in stepping into KCF 2.0? making a decision. You know, I don't know what it all means, but I am going to obey. And I'm going to need your help, but I'm going to obey. And I'm going to learn because, yeah, I don't worship God. I got to learn to love God more. If you are, here's the game plan. Make a decision that you're going to worship God and God alone. Just make a decision. You and you alone. I'm not going to hate everything else, but I'm just going to love you more. I'm going to love you most. Make that decision. Buy a book. Buy a book. And ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in a clear and personal way as you read it. We have about 15 books left out here it would be such an encouragement and relief for me if you would just buy whatever books we have here, okay? And if we would run out, head over to, head over to Logos and, and buy a book, well, I don't want to carry around any more books in my trunk. And it would be an encouragement to me that you all are getting it. Like, yeah, buy me. I'm going to get a book. James Choi was so excited. Before he came in, he said, I can't come in until I buy a couple books No one was selling books out there. What am I going to do with my money? I'm going to go buy books. So I said, here, give it to me. And he went out, and he came into here. I don't know if you saw James coming here. He came in like this. (laughs) No, he did it. He did it. He did it. Brush your teeth three times a day. But, um, okay, get a book. Janelle will be out there, right out here, selling books after. Just buy them up, okay? Get a book. Read it slowly. Digest it. Ask the Lord to speak to you, and then you obey. And then get into a life group. Get into a life group. I'm not sure what life groups are. I'm not sure when they meet. Where's, where's the two kneels? The two kneels. Come up forward. Come up here again. <clears throat> two kneels. These are the two kneels. Please see them after. Okay. We have a life group or two meeting. <laughs> okay. We have life groups that are meeting on Sundays right after this service. <laughs> we have life groups meeting right after this service. We have we have life groups that meet during the week. But see them and they will direct you. We have to need we need we need to start new ones. We will. Okay, but get in a life group and then be here on Sunday morning. Exciting times for us. Exciting, exciting times for us. Jesus said this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. That we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. We love because he first loved us. Wow. We should fall on our knees. And worship of a God who does that for us so why don't you stand with me we're going to sing this song together and then uh, come see one of the kneels I think so. yeah you'll sit up well let's pray Father thank you Father I pray let us be a church that worships with passion that worship is love expressed May we learn to express our love for a God who loves us first. We thank you in Jesus' name.